That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. Dave here, Dr. Michelle, and Dee, what's up? What's up, Dave? How are we doing today? Good. I got glasses and I'm instantly perceived as smarter than last week. But you're not. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I know. I, I, People... I put, I put my, my, my screen glasses on, my, my blue light blocking glasses for computer time. And then I was like, oh, Dave's got his glasses on. I should put mine on. And then I stopped and I was like, Dave's never worn glasses before. Other than like your gangsta bitch glasses that you had like pixelated yeah. on with your Zoom filters the one time, which was great. Uh, yeah, but but you look you look very handsome, sir. Well, well done. Older and smarter. So I, that's that's what I hear. But Dis- anyway, distinguished gentleman. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay that's enough remember most people are listening so they have no idea anyways sorry for the listeners yeah i'm the same guy on the inside despite he, my spectacles he, just, um, he is a spectacle, spectacles, on the outside <laughs> speaking of spectacles we've got a spectacle today with dr michelle pobega the possibly one of the world's greatest lovers of the gallbladder <laughs> And parasites. I mean, don't forget my other partners in crime. Yeah, but really, when I think of you, I I think there's a woman who knows the gallbladder. Well, knows the gallbladder and continues to get to know the gallbladder. I feel like there's still more that I want to understand, but it's uh, just like you and I have talked about, like you start to know something, you realize you don't know enough, right? So it's just one of those yeah. things where... Anyways, I mean, what I really want you to talk about. see the about, spaces between. Yeah. You see the spaces between things, you know. The, the voids that bigger. need to be filled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, there's today where I, I want to just chat a little bit about three things that I want people to consider, realize, know before they make a decision to remove this actually quite vital organ, like it's not just a discardable organ. I don't think anything is really. You mean in like our the body. appendix? Yeah, that's also not a that you yeah. shouldn't just get rid of that. And also, I feel like I feel like maybe eventually I might move on to tonsils to see how I can save more tonsils. I feel like I just Ooh, cool. want to. I don't know. I say that you but, want to keep your patients intact. Yeah, I would like to keep. Are you saying them- that billions of years of evolution probably didn't leave too much there? That's uh, wasteful? No, probably not. It's more just our yeah. own human, human, uh, uh, human error, uh, that has just allowed our bodies to break down that causes a physiological problem that somehow with our 
puny minds, we feel like we should just get rid of that organ rather than actually treat the reason why that organ or, or particular part of the body got sick in the first place. But, you know, call me crazy. No, you're not crazy. Uh, at least not about that. Anyway, yeah, I'm crazy um, in other ways. That's for show. Um, but so, yeah, no, so- like I, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, we're going to have to make the exception for the people who always like to point that out. You know, there's going to be times, I'm sure, where you have to get it removed. And it's, um, you know, if it's infected and, and you know, well, there's, I mean, there's going to be times. However, there's, there's, we are there's dealing severity with... severity levels, right? Well, yeah, I, what I was getting at is we're kind of dealing with a low threshold before we remove it. Yeah. Right? I th- yeah, like, and I think there's a time and a place. If you're in excruciating pain, in acute pain, and I would say... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't know. I also just feel like there probably is 99% of the time you probably could still save all of your organs. I mean, from a gallbladder perspective, I know if it leads to like a stone getting lodged in the common bile duct, and then it might be blocking pancreatic function and it leads to pancreatitis that becomes a much bigger concern. And yeah. I get that. Um, but I still feel like if there's a stone lodged in a duct, that still needs to be addressed. It still needs to be flushed out. It still needs to get set free. Like you still need to kind of release the stone so things can flow smoothly again. So I don't know. Anyways, it's just me. I just feel like there's probably a lot more that can be done than most people realize before before we jump to the let's remove this organ. And I think uh, what I have seen people come to my office say is that they've gotten like an abdominal ultrasound for other things and their doctor will say that they see a stone or they see some gallstones but if you're not in any acute pain then we just do nothing and i find that that's not necessarily a logical solution either (laughs) so we're just gonna wait until it becomes a really big problem and then we're just gonna remove your organ basically is kind of you know, what's told to people. If it's not a problem, just leave it. And then if it becomes a problem, we'll remove your gallbladder. And I feel like, you know, I feel like there's a big window of opportunity in there to do other things. (laughs) Well, I would imagine, because I've heard something that is, is, um, you know, when, when incidental findings, then they want to oftentimes, you know, because I'm devil's advocate. So I always think the opposite and troubleshoot. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, if they just found it incidentally and wanted to remove it, I'd, I might be also kind of um, uh, wa- wary of that sort of kind of thinking too. I think what you're getting at is that let's have an assessment to figure out like what the hell is going on and why things are the way yeah, they are. I don't, I, I think that if you're not in acute pain, then you definitely shouldn't be removing your gallbladder either if there's a stone. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the let's just wait until it gets severe and then remove your gallbladder is also not necessarily a solution. Like I think where there's a huge yeah. void that could be filled with other options um, until, well, we wait to, until to the prevent, wheels fall off to prevent that from even getting to that point, essentially, is what I'm is what I'm saying. So, um, yeah. okay, so. Like my top three things that I, I I think I want people to know uh, before making a choice to to have gallbladder surgery or when they're trying to quote unquote address gallstone problems is number one, there are ways to purge stones safely from that organ. Um, I I've done it. 
And yeah. I continue and I continue to do it with a my couple clients. Of clinks, a couple of clinks in the toilet in, in your own residence, right? Absolutely. And yeah. uh, you'll even refer to a client to me who is, I, I guess we could say an, of an elderly age, something in the seventies, and she didn't want to get her organ removed. And she, you sent Super her to cool. me to help me to, to see if I can facilitate that. And she's done it. And she did notice a huge shift in, in that, the tenderness and discomfort and stuff that she was feeling in the area. Um, yep. uh, and we, we just have to do it a few more times to make sure that things are moving and grooving. Um, but she did notice it. So the, the, there, there are ways that we can salvage your organ purge stone safely, that that's non-irritating as it passes through your system. Um, and then is it non-irritating or minimally irritating? Honestly, anybody who has done it, even those who have known stones have said they didn't feel anything until it literally plunked into the toilet. Wow. (laughs) So it's pretty great. Um, and then if I have people who have known stones and I'm also doing some things to, to break down the stones, so that if they have seen something that's a significant size, we're breaking it down so that it also has an easier passage through the system. Um, but we're doing very specific strategies to minimize, to, to, to minimize irritation as that happens. Um, so I just want people to know, like, if you're working with someone who knows what they're doing, you can, you can find ways to, or there are ways to purge stones and create some relief for you and save your organ and get bioflowing again, because like, that's kind of a critical thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe just back up just a step or two mm. and, and say, well, why we have gallbladder? Cause then it has relevance for why you might want to keep it too right okay just briefly yeah reminder. yeah yeah so a gallbladder is not just something that holds bile a gallbladder okay so first off let's backtrack a second your liver makes the bile so you cannot disregard that kind of wildly important process your liver makes bile and then your gallbladder stores it But what it does is it also concentrates the bile and it concentrates the salts. So it actually becomes a more effective digestive aid. So it's a concentrated version and then it times it, it times its release. So when fat and protein enter your intestines, cholecystokinin is this chemical messenger that tells the gallbladder to then squeeze this concentrated now bile that it's created into the intestines. And then that becomes a very important emulsifier for you to break down your fats. Um, and also like protein, especially animal protein, cause there's fat and animal protein. So those become except very important things. And then bile also plays a really significant role as a microbiome regulator because it is anti antimicrobial. So it helps maintain a healthy balance in your microbiome and you are going to need it to also break down and absorb your fat soluble vitamins and essential fatty acids. So like your vitamin D, vitamin K, vitamin E, vitamin A, which are going to have a massive multitude of effects in your system. Um, and your omega threes, which are essential, they're called essential fatty acids for a reason, because they are very, very important for every single cellular membrane in your body and like cognitive health and inflammation and stuff. So, um, that is, is the role of the gallbladder and it assists all those other things by being able to concentrate the bile and time it accordingly. Um, and that's, that's why it's important because it, because it, 
it it affect it it uh it aids the it aids liver's function as well and detoxification in that in that capacity as well. Cool. Was that do you think that was a good little summary? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like okay, that. Cool. I think it's just good to give some background because um yeah. sometimes we overlook or I sometimes forget some of the the rationale for this. So yeah. Um I think I'm just going to jump in and tell you another reason why I think it's important uh, to do all you can, because there are, I'm just looking at some stuff on PubMed here and there's, there's sometimes people will have cholecystectomy or gallbladder removal. And it wasn't even um, a gallbladder uh, specifically that issue, you know, there's, there's anatomical variants, which I mean, look, it's surgery is a a great thing when it's needed, but it's a high risk thing. So if we can avoid it, I think it's, it's great. Um, cause there's sometimes it doesn't go so hot. Um, so, I mean, so, so my number one, my number one tip for people before just jumping into surgery is that you can, there are people who are equipped to help you purge stones effectively and safely, um, with minimal irritation as it passes through your system. Uh, I think my second big thing that I want people to know is that a lot of times when people have gallbladder attacks or gallbladder issues, and even post-surgery, they might be told, oh, you just have to just like watch your fat intake or minimize your fat intake or something like that. And I just feel like eating a low fat diet to manage pain or even after the removal of a gallbladder is not a long-term solution because we are supposed to be able to eat a certain amount of healthy fats. We need them for, like I said, we need them for our cell membranes. They provide us with fat soluble vitamins, vitamin D and vitamin K are essential to help us build our bones. Like <laughs> indirect calcium. There, yeah. There's so right? much, right. There's, there's a lot that, that healthy fats actually have, uh, as a, as an impact to our quality of life and our health that we actually are very, that we really very much need. So just to eat a low fat diet is not really effective. And I find, um, a low fat diet tends to leave people less satiated and then they might end up overeating the wrong stuff, which then causes other metabolic issues or other imbalances. So, so long-term consequences of being told to do that is not only just like you not absorbing essential nutrients, but also from a dietary perspective, sometimes your craving centers might not be satisfied. So then you reach for more sugars or you fill in the blanks with other things. Mm -hmm. And our society went on a low fat diet craze and our society continued to get more sick. So I feel like that's not necessarily a long-term solution. Um, and I, I, and it's, and it's frankly poor advice because even if you're trying to manage the pain, fat helps your body stimulate bile flow. And if you're not eating fat, you're not stimulating bile, which means less bile flow, which means it's more stagnant, which is going to lead to possibly more stone formation as well. So you're just kind of, kind of perpetuating a, a residual problem. And if you don't release bile, you all, your liver doesn't get to detoxify effectively. That's how it, that's how it get, gets rid of toxins from our body. So if we're not creating that stimulus with having some sort of healthy fat in our diet, we're also limiting other functions. Yeah. I mean, look, limiting fats is, I think it's, um, it makes sense. And I guess, when would you say it makes sense? Like maybe after someone has, uh, has their gallbladder removed and they're sort of getting recalibrated with their ability to deal with fats, would that maybe be one of those times you're like, okay, not saying avoid it, but like maybe don't eat a plate of French fries or fish and chips or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a big deal is that when people get their gallbladders removed, because you don't have that gallbladder to time, Mm -hmm. time bile anymore, 
your ability to digest fats is still going to be possibly problematic because you're not going to get a concentrated bile and it's not going to be timed with food. So you might still have to be very concerned about the quality of fat and the quantity of fat. And I would also say the quality is very important too, but that's a whole other topic, but yeah, you might, you might have to be mindful of that, which sucks. But also if you're just trying to mitigate pain and you're told to eat a low fat diet, Cause I've had some people tell me, well, they were having some pains and their doctor said, okay, we'll just eat low fat for now or avoid or avoid fats. And I was like, oi, just so that we can not trigger a bile to move so that we don't move a stone. And I get that because it helps circumstantially for the pain, but now you're also limiting bile flow and that affects other things. Um, and it doesn't actually treat the problem. It's just like a band-aid solution. You know, it's, it reminds me of the FODMAPs kind of strategy where yeah. it's like, okay, uh, short-term diagnostic, you know, maybe helpful, but as a long-term strategy, uh, not no effective, thanks. not no effective thanks. and not sustainable. And frankly, yeah. fat makes your food taste delightful. Like when I, when I've done the liver gallbladder flushes and stuff like that, and I've, and I instruct people on it, there's a certain period of time where we are actually restricting fat during the preparation. Cause we don't want to move bile prematurely, but it's a very succinct period of time. Um, and we don't want to move a stone prematurely. And I got to tell you by the end of that, like stint, I'm like, man, I really appreciate fats and food. Cause my food sucks balls right now. Can I say yeah. that? I just, well, I yeah, never I did. did. So like. <laughs> And like, it really is not satisfying to eat food right now. So, uh, (laughs) and there's this weird thing where you eat a volume of food, but you don't feel satisfied by your food. So, yeah. Um, what, what are the things that, so with the, with the patients that you see Mm. and you, you help them with maybe with gallstones that they know of, or you were just sort of optimizing gallbladder function and everything so that they can avoid cholecystectomy. What are the other things that you see in common with these, with these patients? Like, is there any other signs and symptoms like that they feel or, you know, uh, the way they, they look, the way they look, you know, in terms of like body composition, are we talking more, uh, males, females, are we talking anything with, uh, labs, uh, patterns with labs? What, what sort of people have gallbladder stone issues? Like, do they have other things as well? Uh, based on some of the parameters you pointed out, not necessarily, but I also treat more women. So it's hard to know if there's a difference between women and men, but I have had some men come to see me specifically because of gallbladder issues. Um, some of them have a bit more anxiety. (laughs) So, and a little bit more worry. Um, I think that sometimes Did you say worry. Yeah. Like worry and anxiety. Although like I know anxiety and worry from a TCM perspective can weaken the stomach, but then I know that liver. I'm glad anger, you're going here. Keep going. I want to see where you go with this. Keep and going. Then, like the liver is anger, but the gallbladder apparently is courage and also decision-making. So decision someone who has a, a difficult time making decisions and maybe they were also a worrier because, and then that way they can't, there's a lot of fear there around decision-making and, and the courage to, to, to step into your kind of power vibe. Um, those are, those are weakening to the gallbladder, but also residual anger because the liver and the gallbladder are basically a unit. It's not, it's not an either or situation. Like they're a unit. So their actions affect each other. Um, so emotionally they will probably also affect each other from a TCM perspective. 
but I find there could be a bit of anxiety. I've also noticed that, um, a lot of, I think some people find that they have a hard time with animal proteins. And sometimes I'm like, is that a stomach acid issue? Is that a liver gallbladder issue? Um, but then I also have come to, to realize as well, that if your body doesn't sufficiently make good bile, which neutralizes stomach acid, your body may naturally also make less stomach acid as a consequence because your body is always going to have a cause and effect. If something is off, then it has a rebound effect. So there might be something like that as well. It's it's like this was made up. I was just going to ask you, I was going to say, what about the opposite? Because the more I focus on upper GI or GI in general, I focus on the stomach and I'm thinking, well, if the stomach makes less acid, does that mean therefore the gallbladder is going to make less to counter, uh, to, or I mean, I know it's pancreatic, uh, uh, bicarbonate, which is mostly there to neutralize, but it's all so close together in terms of where it, it is. Is it possible that low stomach acid may contribute to gallbladder issues? And it might, and maybe vice versa. And I don't know if it's, a, I don't know if it's always going to be one before the other, it might be either, or because the body is really fantastic at trying to make, trying to compensate and make choices based on a given situation. Um, so it might be one or the other. I don't know. But yeah. Still with you. I know. <laughs> so, um, that's, that, that's, there's a bit of that other guys. Like I see, I just treat more women. So I don't know lab markers. Um, do you know what? I'd have to pay more, more attention to whether lab markers are usually I'm looking at their signs and symptoms. It's, it's not always that liver enzymes are off. It's not always that anything in particular is off with their labs that I've particularly noticed. And maybe I'm wrong. And I just haven't been fine tuned fine-tuning my skills with detective skills on that compartment, but usually it's, uh, they, they do, they will say I have a hard time digesting fatty foods or their float, their poops are floating or they're lighter in color or, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, or they come to me because they have known gallstones. Right. Would you say that's the the pre-existing condition that, uh, pre-existing thing that leads people mostly for help mm -hmm. is that they've, they've had ultrasound or whatever proven, um, gallstones. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Or people are coming to see me because they already have digestive issues. And then when I start breaking it down with them, I'm asking specific questions like, are your poops floating? Do you, what's the color of them? Do you see an oil slick in the water? How do you feel? Is and that then common? People, not, not always common, but they, they will see that. Like, and usually yeah. that's like a pretty good flag that maybe there's some bile issues. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just by asking questions. And I was like, how, how do you do with fattier foods? Like if you're going to eat some French fries or chicken wings or nachos or something, but like, I don't feel well after, or people will say I get heartburn with fatty foods as well. Um, when I eat richer foods, or they might just offer up that their poops are stinkier after eating a fattier meal rather Mm -hmm. than just whatever other kind of junk food. So then I just, I just kind of, poke and prod and see what comes up. And, you know, some people will come to me because they have like, Oh, I get this weird sensation in my right rib cage area, but they haven't really connected the dots with other things. And then when you start asking questions, it starts. And I was like, Hey, you want to go back to your doctor and get an ultrasound and see and request that. And, um, but I never see, here's the thing too, is, is I started doing a flush because I wanted to understand how to be able to help 
support my clients with navigating those waters. And I, I eliminated stones and I was flabbergasted, but I've also had inherently digestive issues since I was a teenager. So, um, it makes me wonder if that was a big contributing factor all this time too, that was neglected, or was it my stomach acid that led to the bile or was it lack Mm. of bile? My mom also always had a hard time with digesting fats and proteins. And for the long time, I thought it was a stomach acid issue, but now I'm like, she probably has both. She probably has a gallbladder and bile issue too. Um, and then I, I, my partner was like, what are you doing? What's going on there? He's like, can I try that? And I was like, sure, let's, I'm just going to use you as a guinea pig so I can recommend it to my clients. And, um, I hope he's okay with this, but he pooped out a wildly big stone and it was white, <laughs> which means it was a calcified stone. And he had no idea, but yeah. he used to eat garbage before he met me. So I'm like, there's probably a lot of accumulation of garbage. Uh, I'm scared in there. to do it. I guess so, I should probably do it though. Yeah. So even like, I, I find that. <clears throat> even for some of my clients, when uh, I'm seeing parasites that are hiding up in the gallbladder ducts or like, sorry, not, not seeing them, but like liver flukes that have an affinity for the liver, Jardia that has affinity for liver. A lot of those microbes can also plug up ducts. So if I have somebody who has a lot of those showing up on testing, then I might have them at least do a coffee enema to help support their liver gallbladder ducts. Or I might even suggest that they do one or two flushes just to like clean out the pipes. Because I think a lot of us, there's a very good chance. I think the more I do these, the more I realize that probably majority of people need to do this, even if you don't have overt, overt like gallbladder stones and issues, but whatever, that's just me based on my observations. You know, I'm, it might be uh it might be a high yield thing to do. I've never done it myself, but <clears throat> I mean, look, if one of your main organs that is a major function, especially upper GI, I do, I do have. Okay. I should, if if you have problems with the pelvic floor or issues with, let's say, eliminating stool, it's a big problem. Mm. Like, that's a big problem. If the exit doesn't work, send them to a pelvic floor physio, someone who can help with the actual expulsion of stool, defecation, so important. However, all the way up the other end, hugely important stuff, stomach, gallbladder, liver. If it ain't happening up there and, and, the, and the pancreas, there is that linearity, which I'm sure I've talked about. If things don't go well up there, mm-hmm. it's not going to go well subsequent to there. So if your gallbladder is compromised in function, it, Down, it downstream you know, it is going to suffer. Exactly. As well. <laughs> it follows yeah. that, that. And if you've got a way to, to deal with it, and you do, and you said, oh, yeah, you know, you can, anyone who is competent working with gallbladder or whatever can help you. Well, I sent someone to you because I'm not. I don't feel comfortable. And I wonder if a lot of naturopaths are in my camp where they don't feel comfortable doing it. And some of that might come from our training, right? You're told if anything's over like what, however many centimeters, like don't touch it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like kidney stones, I'm still kind of worried on, but I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with that topic too, because I feel like you're not, your body isn't just supposed to build calcified deposits of stuff. Like if things are moving through you properly, they're like, a rolling stone doesn't gather moss, right? Like one of those things. So if things are moving, it doesn't just yeah. collect and become solidified. So something is wrong, right? I, so I feel yeah. like we got, we, like, I want to find ways to, because that's a detoxification pathway. If we start plugging up your body's ability to detoxify, guess what? A whole bunch of other problems are going to start developing. Yeah. So I feel like that is just a number one in my books is like, we always have to keep those things. Like your pooper, if you're constipated, we need to unplug that duct. If you're, we have gallstones, we need to 
unplug those ducts. If you have kidney stones, we have to unplug. Otherwise your body's not going to be, your filtration systems, your detoxification systems are compromised. Your rest of your body suffers after, right? Um, and it might not feel it right away, but eventually it's going to bite. It's it's going to, there's going to be a buildup, residual buildup over time. If your body can't get rid of things. So, well, that's why our body's meant to detoxify every day, all day. I'm wondering if, if some, like as a little tack on to what you're saying there is, is that um, we need to make sure that the urinary bladder, because you just brought up kidney stones, which is, yeah. a, and look, it's a, it's, I know this is about gallbladder and all that, right. but it's the same concepts apply here. Cause I said, if the anal, anal rectal area is clogged or pelvic floor is, uh, is off or the coccyx is, is all screwy. So all your, uh, all your sort of pelvic floor musculature has, you know, it's all mangled. What I'm saying is if, if the end of the line, whether it's the urethra, urinary bladder in the case of kidneys or end of the line, rectum, anal rectal region uh, is problematic, then you, I, I think there might be an issue of things being susceptible to stasis up above, right? So then it becomes, you almost have to do both. Yeah. Right? No, yeah, it's never, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you want to unplug the, like, I know, like I'd worked, I worked with someone who she just wanted to work on her gallbladder. I don't normally do this, but she's very sure that she wants to work on it. That's why I did visceral on it, but I made sure first I, I worked with the sphincter of Odi, the common bile duct so that things would, you know, flow through there. Once yeah. we moved the gallbladder and got it like going and doing its thing, then, okay, now we have a conduit for it out. So, yeah, just as something, it was funny. I had a, I had a preceptor yesterday and it was, she got to, she got to observe one client who was supposed to have done the liver gallbladder flush because there are specific symptoms. Um, and he didn't get a chance to do it. He was like, Oh, I just didn't, couldn't find the time. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's try to prioritize this. Cause if you want to start feeling better, we need to start taking the pressure off of those organ systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one who came in yesterday with the results of it saying, yeah, I pooped out some stones that were green, some that were gray, some that were black, varying sizes, the biggest, the size of a quarter, oh, a quarter, no pain, no pain. So <clears throat> The student said to me, she was like, I love that you're so comfortable with this. She's like, because if somebody comes into the teaching clinic, we're basically told not to touch those things. Yeah. Right. So she's like, even the instructors have apprehension around doing it. Nobody really tells us how to mitigate that problem. Nobody tells us how to work with that. So as a student of naturopathic medicine, she was really excited to sit on those appointments to start to understand that, okay, there are options and they don't cause problems. And then she got to hear somebody who actually went through it his first time and his, the results of, of his flesh and how it wasn't irritating. It wasn't that difficult. He did is something was the size of a quarter and it came out with without irritation to his system. So, uh, I think she, she, she commented that she found that quite remarkable. And then <clears throat> you need to share this stuff. I think, uh, I think you need to share this more like, uh, yeah, well, that's what we're doing today. Yeah. And uh, she was asking, she's like, where'd you get all the sources to like, understand to support the liver, the gallbladder. I was like, I don't know. There's just no one source. I mean, mm-hmm. the flush I did get from like a very specific source and, uh, but also just accumulating my knowledge and just observation and clinical practice and seeing things and realizing there was a missing piece to the puzzle and starting to dig a little bit deeper and talking to various clinicians and practitioners and looking at different resources. So I was like, I wish I could just give you this one Bible of liver gallbladder stuff, but unfortunately that wasn't the case for me. Never is right. Like you're always kind of like 
sampling from different places because everybody has experience. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you explain your experience? So yeah. Did we get to all three? Was there no. a, okay, get is, this is the one I, and I, I like it because you kind of brought up the fact that you're like, yes, you have to unplug the depths, but you still have to do other things. So this is where the third thing before you decide to remove your gallbladder is that removing the gallbladder doesn't actually address the quality of bile. And it still doesn't address proper bioflow. It actually limits bioflow because now you've removed something that regulates and times the flow of bile. But the thing is, is, and that could lead to other health issues as we've already kind of alluded to, but removing, removing the organ doesn't fix the actual problem. It just removes the organ that might be most acutely in pain because of all these other issues. It removes the organ that you are feeling the issue in. Um, you still have to consider the fact that bile is made in the liver. It's an upstream problem. And if the quality of your bile is not good, it's more likely to have stasis. It's more likely to get sludgy. And then it's more likely to maybe create a stone if it's not moving correctly. So that is still the biggest concern. That's why I always say your liver and your gallbladder, you can't, you can't separate them. Your liver makes the bile, your gallbladder concentrates it and times it. It's still a liver problem. Um, so we need to address the quality of bile and, you know, staying well hydrated to make sure that you have enough water to create bile. Cause it is a majority of bile has a certain amount of water intake water to it. You have to, um, ensure that your gut microbiome is good. Cause that also helps with the recycling of bile back to your liver. You need to make sure that you're getting good mineral content. Cause like potassium electrolytes are part of bile. Um, you know, things like phosphatidylcholine also help with the quality of bile. Cause that helps balance out cholesterol. So you're not just having like excessive amounts of cholesterol stones being made. Um, and that comes from like egg yolks and meats and things like that. That's what, those are not your enemies when it comes to liver gallbladder function. So it's not just removing the organ. You still have to deal with why the bile was not in a good quality in the first place. So even if your organ, you get to an emergency situation with your organ is removed, you're not done. You didn't just fix the problem. You still have to think more upstream and think more critically about what caused this in the first place. Cause it's not a gallbladder problem. And that's what I really yeah, that's want awesome. to know. That's awesome. Okay. So just, just for summary, can we get the the three, yeah. the three together in, in one little sound bite? Yeah. Um, three things to know before you make the critical decision of removing your gallbladder. There are ways to effectively and safely purge stones from a gallbladder. Eating a low fat diet to manage the pain or even post gallbladder removal is not a long-term solution because you do need certain fats and healthy fat soluble vitamins. You need to be able to absorb them in order to maintain health and regularity in the rest of your system and body. And three, removing the gallbladder doesn't actually address poor quality bile because liver is actually what makes bile. So you still have to think about upstream what caused the stones to become sluggish and form a um, uh, the bile to be sluggish and form a stone in the first place. And then you've also removed the key organ that regulates the flow of bile. So removing the gallbladder doesn't address quality and it also interferes with the flow of bile. So. Bam. I like it. That's, that's, those are my three. I like it. And I'm sure there's more. And of course, you know, um, 
like we said, those other basics are super important too. Like if you're constipated, obviously change that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's great. That's, it's so good to talk to. It's my favorite thing on this podcast is talking to someone who really knows their shit, a subject matter expert. And it's, um, it's clear, you know, your bile shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I think it's, I just, you know what? I like to root for the underdog and I feel like the gallbladder is like the underdog. People are just like, ah, oh, you can just get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah. No. So uh, I felt like, no, nah, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to be a cheerleader for this and start to, you know, create, create alternatives uh, around how we view this particular organ and its function in our body. It's important. And you've said this before, you know, you know, nature or whatever, does not make mistakes and our bodies were made exactly how they were meant to. Every organ is important. Yeah. I mean, there's, I did the math. It looks like there's about 270 or if I extrapolate us numbers, there's about 275 or something gallbladder removals every day in this country. It's a big deal. And if um, there's nothing wrong with surgery when it's really, really, really necessary, but if, yeah. if information like this can get out there and, and minimize the number of surgeries, Again, I'm, I don't want to be taken as someone who's against surgeries. If we can minimize unnecessary high-risk surgeries with really rational, um, safe, uh, supportive, long-term uh, strategies that support the short-term shittiness, whatever someone's going through with symptoms, then my God, we should do it and save a few bucks and save a few lives and, yeah. and save a few antibiotics and and. and <laughs> You know, like there's so, there's so much, um, there's so much to be said for, uh, avoiding a lot of surgeries. And I really think you've, uh, given us some tools with which maybe, uh, if, if, if people listen to this and we, you know, a couple of people don't get a surgery that, that didn't need it, uh, yeah. then, then you've done good work. And if you do need surgery, don't just stop there. Yeah, exactly. I would still work with a naturopath to help you understand, okay, how do I manage my diet? Um, cause you know, if you, I guess I'll just say it, if you have a surgery, you're going to need something to help you supplement your bile so that it's timed with food so that you can then digest your fats. Right. And then again, doing the upstream work about the quality of bile in the first place. So you'd still want to work with someone to help with those other steps. Cause those are still very, really big missing pieces post-surgery that a lot of people are not aware of. So. Yeah. And if you're in Ontario, reach out to Michelle. Uh, she can, <laughs> she can help you um, clinically uh, be a little liver gallbladder whisperer. Okay. Michelle, that was she great. was trying to whisper. <laughs> I was, I was like, but I, I whistled, I whistled instead. Yeah, I know. I it was know. hilarious. It was like a whispering whistle. It's all right. It's great. I appreciate it. Was a wispy, it. Whisp- whispering whisp- whistle. Whistle, whistle. Anyway, we're wow, done. Wow, that went I'm downhill. Done. Okay, we're done. Hey, listen. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks so much for your wisdom, Michelle. My pleasure.